0: Welcome to Infinitely Irrational, where we discuss the real eccentric and complex history of mathematics. Brought to you by Mathematical Expressions. I'm your host, Natalie, the resident math nerd. And I'm Kay, your researcher of weird things. In this episode, we'll answer the following questions. If an evil spirit wants to destroy humanity, do you stick the computers on it or punch it in the face? What's the fastest way to get thrown off a plane? What do either of these have to do with math? Let's find out. Now we'll jump into a mathematician from this century, Paul Erdős. While
1: Hypatia may have been married to the truth, Erdős was married to mathematics. He did mathematics in over 25 countries. He wrote or co-authored over 1,475 academic papers. Of
0: which 500 were over 100 pages long. Which is insane. Mm -hmm. And he's been described as a mathematical monk. I can't wait to meet him. So... In LA, he was arrested for jaywalking and the police threatened to haul him off to jail and he didn't have any money. He didn't have an ID. He's just there with his math stuff, right? Committing the worst of crimes. Jaywalking. Jaywalking. (laughs) And so what he did was, because he didn't have any money or ID, he showed them his collection of papers that he wrote and it had his picture on the front. And the police were like, yeah, it's fine. We accept that as as uh, your ID. And so one of his colleagues actually had to pay the fine. Would you pick up a jaywalking fine for me? Of course. Of course. That makes you a true friend.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> the only way you know I'm your friend. Thanks by starting this episode with a complete aside to nothing. <laughs> Let's back up a little bit from his jaywalking episode and go back to let's start at the beginning his birth so he was born in budapest in 1913 Mm -hmm. he was the son of two high school mathematics teachers Mm -hmm. so surprise surprise he became a mathematician right you know actually i read that his mother had hoped he'd become a doctor really yeah but he disappointed her and became a mathematician (laughs) only the greatest one of the greatest ever (laughs) what a disappointment Anyway, he had kind of a sad beginning because when his mother was having him, Mm -hmm. he lost his two older sisters to septic scarlet fever. They died in just a single day. That's insane.
0: It is. It was really sad. That was probably part of the reason that his mom was so overprotective. She actually didn't let him go to school and he was tutored at home. And when he got to high school, she changed her mind every other year. So he only attended fifty percent of high like, school.
1: It's safe now. No, wait, no, it's not. It's not <laughs> undo, safe at undo. all. <laughs> or was it that he was getting mixed up in a bad crowd every year, so she'd pull him back home? <laughs> Either way, I think probably due to the losing the two daughters deal, she did kind of hover over mm-hmm, him. She came a their head, yeah. right? And unfortunately, it kind of crippled him, which we'll talk a lot about in the following episodes, but she did everything for him, and it made him believe that he pretty much couldn't do
0: anything for himself except mathematics. He started doing math at four. Just (laughs) like one block, two block? No. (laughs) Redfish, bluefish, no. (laughs) (laughs) He Uh, Pythagoras uh... (laughs) did up. He actually, he knew that if you took, say, 250 away from 100, then you'd have... 150 below zero, or negative 150. If you think about that, that's He kind understood of, negative numbers at... four. At, uh-huh. Okay. hmm <laughs> Also, at 18, so, you know, we got to ramp it up, right? At four, right. he understood... Because well, that was four. That was four. Now, at 18, he actually gave a new proof that there's always a prime number between n and 2n. That's... Does that work? So two and then two times two is four but three is in
1: between them okay see i know enough math to know that correct i agree (laughs) he did this thing he did this (laughs) this yes i agree i now put my stamp (laughs) k's
0: stamp that would be proud (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so as a toddler also he studied the calendar and he figured out how many days it would be before his mother was home for the holidays because you know she was a high school math teacher as you do, I guess, mm-hmm. when you're a toddler. Yeah. I don't know if I even knew what a calendar was
1: <laughs> as a toddler. So what else did he do?
0: He would also try to figure out how long it would take a train to reach the sun. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've wondered that to myself many a time. It's a shame we can't ask him. <laughs> Sure, the I Google wonder if he Mac. figured it out. <laughs> he also entertained people by asking how old they were and then calculating how many seconds they had lived, but he did this all in his head. Are you kidding me? No. So as a child? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so clearly he was kind of a prodigy. I read as we were doing the research in this that this was, of course, he had a mother who hovered over him and she mm-hmm. was a mathematics teacher, so of course she continued to prime this. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at that pum. So um <laughs> she she encouraged it and his his instructors clearly knew that this was a great ability of his. In fact, he talks about one instructor who they regularly went on excursions, mm-hmm. walks in nature. And this is—they would often do this, and they would talk math. Mm-hmm. And this is how Erdish learned how to do math without paper. So just like you were saying, he did all this. Yeah, in his head. yeah. So he started that, but he became—he was able Better to right more complex work out walking in nature because apparently nature and math are really connected. So he would get really excited about math. Mm-hmm. And there's at least one instance where he ran up to someone and told them <laughs> all the proofs he knew. <laughs> I don't know if this is like an icebreaker or if this is something I, sh- I should personally do when people are trying to come up to me and talk to me. and I don't no. want to talk back to them, but it would be really short if they're not turned off in the first one, because now I only know one, which is his. Then there's always prime a prime number, number between N and two right. N.
0: And that's it. If they don't walk away by that point, then I've got nothing. You know, you know what it needs to be when you're in a conversation that you don't want to be in. Then you just drop that little pearl in and stare at them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when, when the conversation gets awkward yeah. and there's a little bit of silence. So did you know that between N and 2N, there's always a prime number? <laughs> I bet you didn't. Gotcha. That's your bit of Jeopardy trivia for you <laughs>
0: listeners today. The other thing, though, you said that he ran up to this person. Right. And-
1: Clearly very comfortable with other people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He was never in a romantic relationship, male or female. As you said, he was married to math. Mathematics was his first love. So it was kind of like Hypatia. This is a trend we're seeing here then. <laughs> he lived to 83, but he really started to look at, to the grave pretty early on. He would tell people that death begins at 40. Oh, and God. I know. Yeah. And we'll continue tomorrow if I live. Somebody asked him, well, what happens if you're to 50? And he was like, oh, no, that would be the worst <laughs>
1: I like that. I want to start adopting that into my conversation. So I got to go. We'll continue tomorrow if I live. We did talk about how clumsy I am, and at any point I could be hit by a car or some other thing. So I could leave them a note on my tombstone or something. We'll continue tomorrow if I live. Come see my tombstone for more information.
0: (laughs) The epitaph, actually, that Erdish wrote for himself, now that you mentioned that, was uh, finally. I am becoming stupider no more.
1: So, the, I'm sorry, so the person who at four was doing negative Correct. numbers and was calculating how fast a train could reach the <laughs> mm-hmm. sun, his epitaph says, mm-hmm. Finally, I'm becoming stupider no more. No
0: more. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I wonder if in his head he thought it was like a reverse or a Benjamin Button, but, you know, for (laughs) intelligence.
1: (laughs) Right? Or was it just snarky to other people? Like, if I feel that I'm becoming stupider no more, imagine what you must be like right now. (laughs) So we've gone over his birth and we've gone over his death. We're done. That's it. That's. I hope you liked it, listeners. That's all of Erdish that we have to talk about. <laughs> Just kidding, of course. Now it's important to talk about all the good stuff that came between those two things. <laughs> Let's start by talking about what he looked like. So I highly, highly recommend that you Google Erdish. It's E-R-D-O-S. If you didn't look at the Paul. podcast before you clicked on it. Mm-hmm. But he is an interesting... He has a face for the centuries...
0: So far, we've had beautiful ninja spy Hypatia.
1: Mm -hmm. We've
0: had Pythagoras, the fashionista with his golden thigh and stylish pants. Mm -hmm. Erdish really doesn't quite fit the mold here. I know that we (laughs) told you to Google him. We're going to try and describe it, but you really just need to Google it. Right. So here, we're going to give it a stab. So he was
1: 5 foot 6 inches. He was 130 pounds and according to The Man Who Loved Only Numbers, which this is one of the prime sources I use to help find the information for this podcast. And The Man Who Only <laughs> Loved Numbers. Thank you for <laughs> repeating it. Um, it's a really great read and we couldn't fit all the amazing stuff that was in there into these episodes. But now that we've made that plug for them completely free, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, I want to use, I have to use this quote because I can't think of a better way to put it based on the pictures I've seen of him. So Erdős had the wizened, cadaverous look of a drug addict, but friends (laughs) insist he was frail and gaunt long before he started taking amphetamines, which we'll talk about later. (laughs) His hair was white and corkscrew-shaped whiskers shot out at odd angles from his face, which is... I think what literally every math professor, even you, right? Your corkscrew whiskers are coming in now that you're <laughs> getting up, getting now up that there. I'm almost forty, right? Now that you're almost forty, you're you're getting you're right up there with Hypatia. Listening
0: <laughs> to you talk about that, all I can imagine is Doc Brown <laughs> from, from Back, Back to, to the, the Future. future. <laughs> but there were several math professors I had that always wore the same outfit. You so. kind of fit this, yeah.
1: This makes me think of... So when I was doing my undergrad, Uh I worked in the library. Yeah, yeah. Big surprise. (laughs) I'm the researcher. (laughs) And we had these old stacks. And stacks were where you kept all the books, Mm -hmm. right? And they were on floors that were actually smaller than the regular floors of the rest
0: of the building. So Mm -hmm. they were really short. They were low ceiling. The way I'm imagining this right now is that it's really dark. Mm -hmm. You've got this flickering yellow bulb yes yes actually because there was for for the people who worked in the
1: stacks there was just a freight elevator that you took oh down gosh. these levels into these basement rooms with these flickering so the, bulbs. the
0: quintessential creepy elevator yes and i worked
1: the graveyard shift of oh course my gosh. so now I you went to hearing glass. people breathing right so i remember one night i was down there really late at night i was the only one down there i had taken the creepy freight elevator down and here I am shelving books, and I'm shelving them for a good hour, maybe two hours mm-hmm. at this point, and I'm working my way through this small basement room, and out of nowhere, I suddenly hear someone start talking to themselves
0: what? in the next <laughs> I, I know. Because you said it was small,
1: right? Yes, it wasn't that big of a room. We're not talking about a huge library. This was a small... It was the lowest oh level gosh. of hell, I guess. <laughs> it was the tiniest The space. fourth circle or the seventh. right. <laughs> And I just hear mumbling and it's clear that he's not talking to anyone. He's not talking to me. He has remained absolutely silent until I got to the row right before his. And I just see shadow passing through, pacing back and forth no. on the other this side of the This is so stacks. cinematic.
0: Fog rolls in.
1: Right. <laughs> and I am so, so the description of Eridish is a really good description of when I peered through and saw <laughs> who it was, of who was standing on the other side. And I recognized him as one of the physics professors <laughs> at the college who often paced around the campus talking to himself. <laughs> But, you know, there were no chairs down there. He didn't have a phone piece in. I doubt he even had a a cell phone. He was working
0: on a problem that he needed to work out. Right. And then
1: he came to some conclusion. And it was really exciting to tell himself. Right. I, on the other hand... Grabbed my cart and ran back to the freight elevator and frantically pressed the buttons. In bring fairness, me back up. I do
0: talk to myself quite frequently, and I did have math professors that would do that. I had one, my favorite math professor ever. He would kick the wall in frustration if he got <laughs> stuck on a proof, and he would talk to himself and he'd talk it through it. But he was such an amazing instructor. I really miss him. One of the thing, another thing that I found interesting with Erdish is that. All of his clothes fit in just one tiny suitcase. He had so few clothes that when he went and stayed with all of his friends Mm -hmm. and colleagues like we'll talk about, they ended up washing his clothes more than once a week. So, okay, so two things here. Mm -hmm. One...
1: They were washing his clothes for him.
0: Yeah, because remember you set up at the t- or like a little while ago you said his mom crippled him. Oh, basically. that's true. Mm-hmm. So then they have
1: to they have to wash his clothes for him. Yeah.
0: So this is one instance oh, of gosh. many that we'll
1: talk about. The other is. I don't even go away for a weekend with a carry-on bag. <laughs> I just can't. I've tried really hard. You've got bathroom stuff
0: you have to take with you and pajamas and clothes. Man, I have a cute little bag I take and it fits on the little small planes, the little... Clearly, mm-hmm.
1: mathematicians know how to pack better <laughs> than Apparently other we people. Do, because
0: what he would carry with him was his big radio. That took up most of most of what was in his, his suitcase. Small suitcase and then some clothes but all of his clothes were silk including socks and custom made underwear because apparently he had some kind of undiagnosed skin condition
1: really mhm all of his clothes were silk silk that man that's stylish <laughs> <laughs> but also probably looked wrinkled a lot i would say <laughs> which probably did not add to his you know his kind of unkempt <laughs> appearance i know i came across in the research at least one story where he and some friends were out i guess on another excursion an adventure right walking around uh-huh. and they came up to a fence and his friends wanted to go around it but single-minded as he was uh-huh. he decided no no no, we're gonna jump the fence <laughs> Which he, <laughs> clearly he wasn't a very athletic guy, no. right? Why so, would he choose that? But he did. It's the straightest path. And they all clear it except him. <laughs> he sits right down, essentially on like the barbed wire spikes. <laughs> and rips his pants so what did he do since he hardly had any clothes so his friends were like oh man we gotta get you some new clothes and he was like no i don't think anyone's gonna notice it (laughs) again it was on the seat of his pants he sat down (laughs) on on these spikes but this is how little he really cared for other people's opinion he was like oh whatever it'll be fine we'll just roll with it So in addition to how he dressed, Mm -hmm. right, and how he he sort of physically looked, I think we also need to talk about how he got around. Because he did a lot of excursions, a lot of walking around. He apparently had a very distinctive walk, which has been it's been described as ape-like he he was really fast he never walked slow he
0: walked really quickly gotta do that next math problem yes
1: (laughs) i guess that's how he got his gentle calisthenics in (laughs) but he would swing his arms really wide so just picture this guy speed walking Uh (laughs) throwing his arms back and forth as he's doing this really fast speed walk and he would also gesticulate because, again, right? He's having conversations in his head. You and make doing fun math. of me all the
0: time for talking <laughs> with my hands, and he did as well, even when he wasn't talking to anyone. I wonder if this is a mathematician thing or if it is just a me thing.
1: <laughs> you, you guys both have it in common, sort of a thing. <laughs> well, actually, the research said why he did it because I guess someone asked him, uh-huh. which is, I have to say, such a relief researching Air Dish is that. Because he's contemporary, we have primary sources about him. That is real. It is a relief. Yeah, it's not the telephone game. Uh I mean, we have it straight from the horse's mouth. It's amazing. But anyway, so someone, I guess, asked him Uh why he gesticulated so much as he was walking around with his hands. (laughs) And it helped him to visualize geometric subjects. Huh. So he was was kind of drawing, I guess, in the air what he was thinking about except this this could kind of get you in trouble okay (laughs) because Airdish never he never controlled himself he was the same (laughs) no matter where he was he did not pay attention to social mores or anything Uh like that and he would do this on planes (laughs) he would pace up and down plane aisles talking to himself tracing things in the air Listen,
0: that's how you get thrown off planes do you remember a few years back there was this Italian mathematician, I can't remember his name, mm-hmm. but uh, he was on his way to a conference mm-hmm. and he was really engrossed in this differential equation that he was working on. And he sat down, he's working on it, and the woman mm-hmm. next to him saw this and was he must be a terrorist because what? is this, what's he doing? He won't talk to me. Those are numbers and I don't understand them. Terrorist. Symbols. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. He's but. writing in code. <laughs> That's what he was. That's what he And so the guy was, he was on his way to a conference and I think he ended up missing his presentation that he was going to do. Hmm. But yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> apparently math will Get you, know, you thrown off planes. I wonder if it was a matter too
1: of, you know, this person started talking to him and was like, hey, so where are you going? And he was just like, mm, I don't, mm, don't talk I'm to me. I'm doing some, look, I'm clearly working. I'm clearly working. <laughs> and they were like, wow, terrorist. <laughs> get this guy out of here and get me so talkative next to me.
0: Back to Erdish. <laughs> Apparently, he also had a habit of not walking, but also half running. <laughs> So you In addition said, to
1: his speed walking.
0: Yeah, he would awkwardly half run. Okay. <laughs> like an ape. Like an ape, kind of hunched over. He'd also run up to a wall, stop short turn and run back well of
1: course everyone sure everyone does that everyone yeah but especially one story said, thinking about math
0: one story said that he didn't he didn't stop in time and he just smashed into the oh, wall no
1: <laughs> like roadrunner style mm-hmm. or wily coyote i'm sorry roadrunner never hits the wall it's always wily coyote always
0: wily coyote but you know one time i fell down a flight of stairs oh my gosh and after I fell, I was fine. Spoiler. <laughs> but after I got up, everybody was like, are you okay? And all I could do was laugh because I thought it was really funny. So I laugh at myself. I don't think he laughed about he it, though. He probably didn't. Like, you run into a wall. That's uh, Well, it probably just
1: bothered him that it it halted his train of thought for a little bit.
0: I, but why why would you run up to a wall, stop, turn, and run back? I don't know, but... I know he... Didn't he wear glasses? So he probably he ended did. up smashing them. And he actually dropped his glasses once. One of the lenses shattered, but it didn't fall out. And his friend tried to take it to be fixed. And he's, give me your glasses. And Erdish, much like with when he sat on the spikes, said, no problem. I, can st- I can't see out that eye anyway. And this other eye's fine. He really didn't care what he looked like.
1: Wait, he tried to put them back on? Yeah, he just...
0: With the g- broken glass mm-hmm. in the
1: one eye. in the one, okay, eye, so that goes said, beyond fashion to safety. Because <laughs> right? he said
0: he said he's like I can't see out that eye anyway. Don't worry, <laughs> it's fine. The eye is useless, <laughs> so I don't need the glass. I'll right. just leave
1: this jagged glass <laughs> right pointing near. exactly yes, towards exactly. this very sensitive part of my anatomy. Exactly. It'll be fine. I hope someone rescued him.
0: I think they eventually did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it does. It does not surprise me mm-hmm. that he did this he had a few different things about his personality that would you know this just didn't seem out of character Mm -hmm. for him he also didn't like people to touch him same he (laughs) i am right there with you but this goes beyond that i mean he he really he didn't like any not even family he didn't want them to kind of hug or kiss him and That's also
0: why he, the di- undiagnosed skin condition, he had the... Oh, that could really mm-hmm.
1: explain it. He Apparently, he also, he wouldn't really shake hands with someone when he'd meet them. So he traveled all over the world. What would we say? Something like 25 different yeah. continents, not continents, but <laughs> countries.
0: There are 25, 25 con- plus continents. You
1: didn't know this. In the world. I wasn't supposed to tell anyone. So um, instead of shaking your uh-huh. hand... He just kind of limply drop his oh, hand over yours which is yeah. No. So just picture this guy if you will for a minute listeners. And again, I'd love to see your your drawings of him. But again, maybe you should google him and take a look. He's this thin man maybe with glasses with one lens with jagged glass pointing in towards <laughs> his eye. whiskers. Ripped, dirty and rumpled <laughs> silk suit. And <laughs> his giant dinosaur radio and he walks up to you and they're like oh my gosh this is the famous mathematician erdish meet him and you put your hand out even though you probably don't really Really, want to. yeah you probably really don't want to you put your hand out to shake his and he just does that thing that limp fish thing where he just i hate a limp hand yeah
0: It just feels gross. Don't even shake hands. Well, yeah. Wave from a distance if that's what you're going to do. I don't like to be touched. And so all I want is a quick, firm handshake. We can do one
1: little pump and let Uh go. If you do the weird drag and drop, Uh (laughs) then you don't know when to let go. Or if Uh you should shake it at all, or you should just let it go and let it fly.
0: Originally, when we read this, I thought he was... Kind of like Sheldon Cooper or Mr. Oh, Punk. Yeah. You know, give me my wipe. Right? <laughs> but he is wearing these clothes that are rumpled and who knows. Right, he's not a clean freak necessarily. <laughs> no, but another thing that he did, and I'm so excited to talk about it, is he had his own vocabulary and it had nothing to do with the fact that English was not his native language. By the way, his dad who did not know English, Mm -hmm. he was a prisoner of war Oh, in, mm -hmm. I believe it was, what was it? The first world war. Mm -hmm. And he saw this pamphlet with English and he thought, I'm going to learn it so I can teach it. To my children. Mm-hmm. So the man doesn't speak English. He's never heard English being spoken. Mm-hmm. And he starts reading this English pamphlet to learn it. Mm-hmm. He ends up going back home to his family. Sure. And starts teaching Erdish English, having never heard it before. And oh, so. So
1: he's learning English to remove.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> so it probably sounded. Perfect. Yes, and so there. I read a thing in one of the sources that said he did a docu- an interview on a documentary and they had to put subtitles because his English was so hard to understand. Oh, no. So anyway, that being said, though, <laughs> he, regardless of that, he came up with a language all on his so, own. So are we talking a couple of words, kind of like Lewis Carroll? Mm, it was more to do with how we thought. So let's,
1: let's okay. dig into some of them. All right, so... The first one, and the one that a lot of people know about, is child. So his word for child was epsilon.
0: And you know the reason for that is epsilon is a a really small quantity. (laughs) Small quantity equals small Uh child. It makes perfect sense. And then he had
1: a few others that I think are pretty (laughs) self-explanatory. So let's just run through them. Boss meant women. (laughs) And slaves, naturally then, meant men. And then noise meant music. Clearly not a fan of music, unlike our other mathematicians.
0: Preaching was mm-hmm. giving a mathematics lecture. <laughs> Preach. Preach. Mm-hmm. When, he said when someone died, mm-hmm. it was that they stopped doing math. So if he said, Natalie died. It meant that I stopped doing math. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, because you ceased to exist for him.
0: Correct. Okay. However, if I left,
1: that meant that, that I've died. Oh, I guess because that could mean you could leave without really dying. Mm -hmm. So if you were doing math right up until the end... You've just left. Right. You've just left to go to that other place and maybe you'll continue to do math there.
0: (laughs) Another one, trivial beings. These were people who weren't mathematicians. And in math, of course, a trivial solution is one that is ridiculously simple and not really interesting. (laughs)
1: So I would be a trivial being, sadly. (laughs) (laughs) The word I liked best that he used quite frequently, Mm -hmm. he used the word fascist a lot. He hated fascists. He knew what a fascist was, even though he was really out of touch with the world. He was very much an absent-minded professor because he
0: was alive during the Second World War. Hmm, that's right. And he hated fascists. And he was in Hungary. Yeah. He
1: again. I really recommend you go and read up because his history is really Amazing. fascinating. There's so much we can't even. Tip the iceberg on that, but he he would use the word fascist to describe anything he didn't like. So once he got scratched by a cat and he called it a fascist little kitten, cat. a little yes. baby kitten. Yes, he was like fascist cat, <laughs> and a woman who overheard said, "You know what? How could you call a little kitten fascist? He's so innocent." I loved his response, <laughs> which was what was his response. <laughs> If you were a mouse, you'd know. (laughs) (laughs) Which is true. It's very logical. yeah. yeah. But, you know, he he wasn't a fan of dogs. And he would always, if he saw a dog, he would always ask, is that fascist dog going to bite me? (laughs) And so he just applied it to anything. Anything bad was fascist.
0: You know, I think that's a really good place to take a break.
1: Can your child calculate how long it would take to take a train to reach the sun? They could learn this and much more with this year's holiday must-have, the Mr. Math Magic Land Kit. There's nothing kids love more than hours and hours of math. And with the Mr. Math Magic Land Kit, it's as easy as pie, pie that is. They'll start out easy, using the calendar to calculate vacations. But soon enough, they'll be holding their own math magic shows, exhibiting such feats as calculating how many seconds their friends have been alive. Get the tool every little epsilon will be begging for this holiday season. The Mr. Math Magic Land kit may cause obsessive hand-washing, addiction to stimulants, and the inability to do basic household chores. But that's a small price to pay for genius. Order your kit today.
0: Erdős's viewpoint on language was one thing, but his viewpoint on math, he believed that math is more important than politics. Mm -hmm. And I think that shouldn't come as a surprise. (laughs) His feeling was that politics are for now But a mathematical equation, much like diamonds, are forever. (laughs) (laughs) He also believed that mathematics was really the only infinite thing we can do. Because numbers are infinite, there are infinite numbers of things that we can do with them. Yeah. So
1: as I've been, again, I'm not a mathematician. I didn't like math when I was in school. But in doing the research for this podcast, I've really learned a lot of interesting things about math, and it's not the way I was taught it in school. One, I did not know it was used for divination, <laughs> but also, I always thought math was a static thing. You have one apple plus mm-hmm. another apple, and you have two apples. That's it. That's all there is to it. <laughs> that's right? it. And that's not true. That's not actually what mathematics is about. It's so much more interesting than that. It's about what's possible and Mm -hmm. what you can prove. I think that, and the fact that it is boundless because numbers are boundless, that's really fascinating. It's always there.
0: It just It's like a hidden temple. You just need to go out there and find it. Find one more thing. Right. And there have been so many times in math where you start going down one road mm-hmm. and you kind of come to a stumbling block. And so you put that up, but you start going down another road, putting them together. Yields something even more beautiful. But along the way, you may end up dropping gems that mm-hmm. lead to whole
1: new branches of math, and see, I like that you said beautiful there, because one of the interesting things I came across in especially in researching Airdish is that he said math is beautiful, mm-hmm. and it can be elegant. And, you know, these aren't words we we normally put to math. And this is something that's been repeated by a lot of different mathematicians. Mm-hmm. But Beethoven's Ninth Symphony is beautiful, right? I think we yeah. can all agree on that. And if you don't agree, there's no way to explain to someone why it's beautiful. Right. It just is. You either perceive it to be beautiful or you don't. Or you don't. Yeah, you, you, just, you just see that it is or you hear that it is. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so interesting because... I've never thought about math or numbers that I look at them on a piece of paper and that's all they are to me. But clearly there's a whole nother world out there. i read one thing in the Airdish research mm-hmm. and I want you to explain because I think you could probably do a better job than I did. What's but, that? Uh, the Ramsey party problem.
0: Oh, yeah. It's a combination problem, essentially, that states that in any group of six people, let's say, mm-hmm. either three people will all know each other or three people will not know each other. See, you did that a lot more
1: elegantly than I could have put that. <laughs> Mine would have been a much less beautiful
0: and elegant way of
1: explaining that problem.
0: There, it's There's a little more to it than mm-hmm. that, but in the interest of moving along, you can see the website for more information. Anyway, the problem, right? We've already figured it out for a group of six people and three and three. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, Once you start upping the number of people who know or don't know each other, Mm -hmm. the size of the party also needs to grow. And it requires working out so many different combinations mm-hmm. that even computers have trouble computing it.
1: Right. Okay. I thought I read that. Mm-hmm. And then they said they even had more than one computer. They had a whole set of computers right. set up trying to work, working overboard together. Exa- yeah. And even they had Steve trouble coming out of
0: it. Uh huh. Right. And it was for it's as simple limitless, as, right?
1: Right. It was as simple as if you had four people and four, you know, four people mm-hmm. who knew each other and didn't know each other, how many people would you need? And it, and it then- literally is. Working it out, uh-huh. possibility
0: by possibility, until you hit on it. Mm-hmm. And so, Erdish liked to pose this idea. Imagine that an evil spirit appears. Yes. Done. I knew you would be on board with this. So, <laughs> imagine that an evil spirit appears. And it can ask you anything, but if you answer incorrectly, it'll destroy humanity. As it would, as it would. It's an evil spirit. What it asks you is this Ramsey party problem for a five sum that knew each other. So he said, for a five sum, your best bet would be to get every mathematician and computer in the world and just have at start trying all the combinations. Force it out, right? Wow. Yeah. However, if the spirit asks you about a six sum, you should just attack the spirit. (laughs)
1: <laughs> because you have no chance
0: Man, even exactly with, so even so it starts
1: out as such a simple problem mm-hmm. so three and three okay you have to have six people mm-hmm. for three people to know each other or not know each other in a party you need to have six. at least at least six people at the party uh-huh. so he's saying five okay you could it's worth a try. try it it's worth a try <laughs> you get every six mathematician though. Yeah, and computer. But six, you just got to dive for the spirit and go
0: for it. And my, I was sad to read, nowhere did he provide thoughts on how one should defeat the spirit. <laughs> well, you know, I think, again, if anyone in high school had
1: started the math problem with, there's a ghost. Imagine an evil spirit. <laughs> you know how I am about ghosts, I would have been all on board. <laughs> ghost. Let me, let's please, let's figure it out. (laughs) Please. But you know, even just the way we've described it here, as a non mathematical person, it sounds so simple. I really just want to get out of pen and paper.
0: I just think about it. Right, yeah. like it can't
1: be that hard.
0: We're talking about a tiny number. And see, there is there's the spark of curiosity that that's all we want. Well, and I just think that that is so fun. It's so fun,
1: and I it dips into almost philosophy, mm-hmm. right? Like, what is possible? How can you you
0: know? How can you do this? Erdish said. Math can be obvious, unexpected, trivial, beautiful, messy, surprising, or just straight from the book.
1: I loved this. Mm-hmm. Erdős is saying of straight from the book. What he meant by that was that God, who he he said he didn't know if he really believed in God or
0: not. And he referred to him as SF. Right, which, which was the supreme fascist. <laughs> right. So <laughs> so he said, you know, the
1: SF has a book. It's a book of theorems Mm -hmm. and in this book it has the best proofs in it and sometimes he will give mathematician or a mathematician a little glimpse. Oh, I love that. At the book, right? Isn't that amazing? I think you could say the same thing for art, you know, once in a while he has the best gallery and once in a while he lets an artist just peek into the gallery
0: and I just, the the amount of times, and I'm sure you have examples in your own life, but the amount of times that I've been struggling with a problem, and I just get that one little something. Like a door opened. Not even a door, just (laughs) like window crack. A a small (laughs) gleam of sunlight. I, I get it. I get
1: it. So the question here, right, is, well, what are the best? What makes the best? And His answer was really simple, which was the best proofs are the simplest and the most elegant. He said people don't have to believe in God or Mm -hmm. SF, but they should believe in the book.
0: The proof that we talked about earlier, the N and 2N, Mm -hmm. the prime number between that, that actually had been proven before, but Mm -hmm. he was able to make a more compact proof of it.
1: So a short one, mm-hmm. and a simple and elegant one. Yeah. That yeah, and we'll talk later, but that that is what he was known for. He was really known for
0: doing short, clever solutions. And indeed, a proof should provide insight into why a particular result is true. Mm-hmm. So he had a friend who said that in a very good proof there is a very high degree of Unexpectedness combined with inevitability and economy. That's really interesting. So it should be unexpected, which, again, I don't
1: think anyone expects math to be unexpected, right? (laughs) We're going to add two and two, and we're going to get four. Yeah, you think there is an answer out there. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the truth of the matter, or there is an answer, but we don't yet have the tools or the path to get to that Mm -hmm. answer. And he was really good, though. About finding the
0: most direct path to an answer, right? Let me tell you a story, please. He was at a math lounge, uh, the math lounge at Texas A and M, and so there was a problem on the board, but it was some some branch that he had never seen before. Mm-hmm. He didn't understand the symbols. He didn't, you know. So he he looked at the thing. And he said, "Is that a problem?" And whoever he was with was, "Yes, that's a problem." Unbeknownst to Erdish. Two analysts had just finished a 30 page proof on this problem that was up on the I board. I cannot imagine 30, 30 pages. 30 pages. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're super proud of it. They were about to, <laughs> everybody, guys. So Erdish went up to the board. Erdish looked at the symbols up there. He asked a couple questions What's this mean? What's that mean? Mm-hmm. And then he wrote down a two line solution.
1: Two lines. Two
0: lines. Not, not two pages. Not two pages. Not 30 not pages. Not 30 pages.
1: <laughs> Two lines. Oh, my God. And you know he wasn't doing it to be a troll. No. Because he didn't he know, right? He just loved math. And he he had a gift. right? He mm-hmm. could glimpse the book now and he could see right to the heart of problems sometimes. I like that because it feeds into this other thing that I read about him, which was that he believed children could ask questions that adults couldn't answer. And he was thrilled to talk math with children. As long as they had an idea, he was game to talk about it. And I like that because how often do we say that sometimes children have a much clearer view Mm -hmm. than we do? Because we're weighed down with all of this
0: baggage we've learned through our lives. What's that thing, that study they did with the paperclip where they gave it to children? They said come up with uh, uses for it and they came up with hundreds and then the adults were coming up with two.
1: Yeah, so regardless, I think he managed to hold on to yeah. that, that childlike wonder. When and it, innocence. Yeah, when it came to math, and I don't know if it was because of the abandonment of all other things, but it, it's really <laughs> interesting. I get really a modern-day
0: Pythagorean, right? via Platonis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> all of that is so interesting. Next time, let's spend some more time talking about some things that weren't necessarily math, and also some of his vices. Ooh, <laughs> Thanks for joining us for today's episode of Infinitely Irrational. For more fun, the research and math behind this episode, visit us on the web at www.infinitelyirrational.com This episode was edited by Mathematical Expressions. This episode was written and narrated by Mathematical Expressions and K. Research for this episode was compiled by Kay. See you next time!